Monday, October 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Motley Fool Income Investor, James Early. Guys, happy Monday. Happy Monday Thanks, to you too, Chris. Chris. Good weekends? I'm moving, so Really? No. Where are you moving? I'm moving like two blocks, moving in with the fiance. James, James oh, survived nice. his weekend because, James, you were skydiving. I did. I did. I, 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 he got a good coupon. Uh, I couldn't resist <laughs> the savings, so I, I went skydiving. Discount skydiving is not... Uh, not what I would be it's into. Fast. It's like they the pack you in there. I don't want that. They, they, no I want safety the most lecture. expensive one available. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alive. All right. We have earnings from Caterpillar and a big deal in Toyland, but we will start with the suddenly popular Yahoo. Wall Street Journal reporting that Google has discussed a potential bid for Yahoo with private equity firms. Uh, Joe, as we talked about last week, Microsoft is reportedly working on a bid of its own. Does Google really want Yahoo, or is Google just trying to mess with Microsoft? Both. So there are parts <laughs> of Yahoo that Google really wants, and a lot of this is just totally screwing with Microsoft. So the parts that it would actually be interested in, Yahoo still gets tons and tons of traffic, but they don't monetize it very well. Another way of saying that is they don't get high prices on the ads they sell. And Google thinks if they stepped in, they could get better returns on that and draw more advertisers, and they probably could. Um at the same time, mainly, I don't want to say mainly, but a major component of this is just pressuring Microsoft to either pay more or have to take a part in a group buyout of mm-hmm. Yahoo, which Microsoft doesn't really want to do. I think the last thing Steve Ballmer wants to do is go back to his shareholders and say, here's why I shelled out billions for this business that's struggling in an effort to support Bing, which is struggling and we're losing billions on. James, what do you make of this? You know... Chris, you know, Google has had antitrust problems before, uh, specifically with Yahoo in 2008 when they proposed to deal with them. So mm-hmm. in a weird way, it's, it's, it doesn't say much for Yahoo that, that they're this confident that, that they're not going to have problems uh, or confident enough to do what they're doing. So we'll see. I mean, I just, it's just amazing how fast Yahoo has plunged. Yeah, although it does seem like um, Yahoo, with its traffic, with its massive audience, it does seem like Google would be playing with the proverbial antitrust fire here. Oh, absolutely. I think they'd have to structure the deal in a way that they somehow didn't end up owning search or passing the buck on that. But as much heat as they draw from regulators these days on even tiny deals, it'd be really tough for them to pull this off. But that doesn't mean that it wouldn't still force Microsoft to have to step up and pay more. And, you know, Yahoo's a big business. To take it out would cost about $25, $30 billion, which Mm -hmm. even for Microsoft is a huge slug of cash. And again, the last thing that Steve Ballmer needs is to go back and have to explain that purchase. Uh, Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson is uh, out and available now. Uh, Isaacson had just done an interview on 60 Minutes. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of rich material, a lot of stories coming out of the book. But one of the ones that is getting headlines um, is uh, Jobs battling with Google over the Android operating system. Um, he uh, uh, amounted it to grand theft. He basically felt like they were ripping off the iPhone um, and said that, you know, I, I'm going to basically money is no object. And at the time, I think Apple had about $40 billion in cash. And he just said, I'm going to go after them because what they did is wrong. Uh, you know, when we talk about things that are sort of, you know, catching the eye of regulators, I don't think some, I don't think a consumer is going to look at the Android and go, oh, well, Steve Jobs thinks that it was stolen, so I'm not going to buy this. But I do think it's possible that the, these type of antitrust regulators that we're talking about look at a story like that and they just add it to their file on Google. What do you think, Joe? 
Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Google did borrow a few <laughs> winning components of the iPhone, uh, probably shamelessly. But in fairness, that's just part of the tech world and the interface. Uh, the way interfaces work is people see ideas in other systems and borrow them for their own and ultimately top it. I mean, I'm kind of you know being an excuse provider here for Google, who's been a little cutthroat on this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, right now they're going through this huge legal spat with Oracle, who's basically accusing them of stealing Java code, which seemingly they did, and now it's just going to come down to how much Google's going to have to pay Oracle to go away on this kind of thing. I think, Chris, I I see what your point is. I mean, if I were a regulator, I would feel used by Google, because Google knows they can't just obviously buy Yahoo free and clear. That would be too difficult. They know it's going to be some knockdown, drawn-out thing like Joe was hinting at, which they might not be successful in at the end, but it'll at least make it more difficult for Microsoft. And it's really just putting the regulator through the paces is what's going to do that. So just to close out on this story, does Microsoft need this more than Google? Oh, absolutely. I mean, buying Yahoo would be a luxury for Google, not the best purchase, but a luxury for Microsoft. They cannot afford to let Google have it or even let Google be a part of a group who takes it out. Shares of Caterpillar up 6% this morning after the company reported a 44% increase in profits. Uh, James, the company also said it expects even stronger sales next year. Chris, this is like going to a party and everyone is having a terrible time. But you see this one guy just dancing and going crazy, and that guy is Caterpillar. And you wonder, what did he drink? But you know, he's, just, he's having a great time. Uh, everyone else is having some kind of recession, but Caterpillar did their best sales quarter ever. Uh, it, I mean, profits were okay, not, not as strong as, as, as sales. Uh, but it, it, they just, they're, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. They're, they're selling well. We have a couple of, of, of headwinds or tailwinds, I should say. Commodity prices are high. Mm-hmm. Uh, construction is not so good, but... We have a big agriculture boom, too. So those two forces are pretty big uh, forces, uh, for lack of a better word. And plus, we've had a lot of cash in the sidelines. So it all bodes well for Caterpillar. What's interesting, Chris, is that they don't seem to see any signs of recession going forward. They have backup plans in case of recessions, but they're just plugging ahead. We'll get to the recession part in a moment. But first, um, Caterpillar pays a dividend. I know you're a dividend guy. Um, is it a particularly strong dividend, or if I'm out there looking for income-generating stocks, should I be looking elsewhere? Oh, it's around two percent. I mean, if that's okay with you, that's that's what you'll get. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the the highest dividend. If that's, I would say it's it's covered. It's Caterpillar is a safe company. Uh, 3M uh, MMM is a ticker pays a two point seven percent yield. Mm-hmm. Uh, an industrial company a little bit stronger. There, obviously, you know, J and J goes up to a three point six percent yield. So you can certainly go higher. But Caterpillar has more growth potential. And, and look how well it's doing right now. You know, Joe, as James touched on, um, Caterpillar did basically come out and say, we're, we're not expecting a, a, another recession. Um, it's great to see a, a big company uh, like Caterpillar say that sort of thing. But I'm wondering, like, if, if, you're, if you can pick one company to trust the most on their pronouncements on the fate of the U.S. economy, um, are you going with Caterpillar or is something like, you know, J&J or Berkshire Hathaway, uh, even a Walmart. Uh, is one of those companies the one that you're going to trust the most? I like a Caterpillar because all their products are a big leading indicator on ultimately spending on the construction activity and agriculture. And I think that's going to be a really good really good weeding indicator, and I think it's very favorable. And the market's right to be responding favorably to that today. You know, I think there are some other kind of quiet plays on that. So one is waste management. Mm-hmm. Um, great little company. Most people only notice when they pick up their trash, but it's the biggest waste hauler. Uh, it's huge. Pays a 4% yield. 
great business. And the leading indicator there is trash volumes, both on the residential side but also construction. And you can track that every quarter and just see how much, literally how much trash they're picking up. And that's a nice little indicator of how the economy's going. James, what about you? I'm going to give you your soundbite in a second, but first let me say why this recession is a little bit different, because we're not quite on life support as an economy, but it's sort of like an injured man who has been braced up on his knees and elbows and he's running. You're trying to say, like, (laughs) what, you know, trying to watch his gait and engage him. You don't know, like, is it him or is it the bracing that's helping him? So, uh, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Thanks for that image. So so basically, it's, it's hard to read the recession with a single company. I like FedEx. Because uh, it's you know ship packages, it's a pretty short turnaround thing. There's no long cycle time there. Uh, FedEx seems optimistic, by the way, about this Christmas season. And finally, guys, Mattel, the world's biggest toy maker, has acquired Hit Entertainment for six hundred eighty million. Hit Entertainment is the parent company of the Thomas the Tank Engine franchise. Train, uh, train, train. What's that? Thomas the Train. Thomas the Train. Well, yeah, but Thomas the Tank Engine, Thomas the... They're interchangeable. Oh, they are. I yeah. didn't know that. Wow, you're, you're really up you know, there all Thomas the same. You know, that is... <laughs> I, tra- I corrected and I was wrong. Oh, interesting. Uh, shares of Mattel up this morning. I, I'm, I'm assuming that means this was a good deal. Well, it, this, was, this is a rebound relationship, Chris. See, <laughs> Mattel had the Sesame Street licensing for a yep. long time. They lost that to Hasbro. Hasbro is kind of like the big licensing company. These are the two largest global toy companies. Mm-hmm. Hasbro is more into licensing. Mattel is, is some licensing, but more into sort of organically built toys. So they had uh, Sesame Street licensing. They lost that to Hasbro. So now they need something to fill that preschool slot. Yep. So, yeah, they paid $680 million for this. It does about $180 million a year in revenue. It's hard to compare that to what Sesame Street was bringing in. We don't know all the terms of those deals. But... It seems a little pricey, but for them, the best thing about being a global toy company is that you have these uh, distributing relationships with with Walmart's so largest seller of toys, with, with all these toy stores across the globe. So you can plug in a smaller franchise mm-hmm. and just make it bigger by virtue of having your your framework. So. Thomas and his little train friends, they're going to fill the void left by Elmo and Big Bird? They're going to try. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know the market loves this deal and that they really needed to make this happen when it actually goes up on a day where they're making an acquisition. Normally, when companies make big purchases, the stock falls. Yep. Like when HP bought Autonomy a few months ago, they grossly overpaid and HP's stock got slammed as a result. And that's you know what happens typically when you see these splashy deals. But in this case... You know, everyone seems to really like this yeah. one. So Mattel is a $9.4 billion company. This is like $680 million. So it's not even – it's not huge either, too, which is probably another positive. Uh, James, uh, you and I have kids. Uh, Joe does not. Um, I want you to be his advisor for just a moment when it comes to uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, Elmo. Yeah. And I'm going to go off the board. Dora the Explorer. Um, if, I know Elmo. If these, okay. if, if these were stocks, which one – would have the best return over the next 10 years. And obviously, we're looking at, you know, volume sales of toys and anything you can slap up. So I'm going to pitch it to him, basically. You're going That's to pitch my job. It to okay, him. okay. Yeah. So, what you know, you Elmo, this is a resurrected character. It used to be this frizzy, kind of crazy puppet. And now they cleaned him up in about 10 years ago, and now he's Elmo. <laughs> um, and look at the old Elmos. Google on Sesame Street. You'll see. He was kind of a scary creature before. But uh, Thomas, the, the, Thomas the Train is basically this... This is annoying, je ne sais quoi, about it uh, in this British way. I just something about it. But but these trains that have faces and and, and there's some lesson in life and they're, they're they can be competitive. You know, and I don't some, like these trains. They're totally yeah. competitive. They're very competitive. Yeah, and 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 Dora the Explorer is this sort of a. Uh, uh, 
uh, connects in with Diego, right? A multicultural yeah, type Diego's of her cousin. cartoon. And the interesting thing there is that uh, I was telling Mac before this show, most most uh, cartoons for kids have a have a bad villain, and then he later gets his comeuppance. You don't really see that at Dora the Explorer, and kids apparently don't make the connection. They just see bad guy doing something. So Dora sort of avoids that. Um, Maybe a little too forced chipperness, but but that's kind of the angle there. Yeah, okay. I will I will say this about Dora, have, and I have daughters, so I've had some experience with Dora. Uh, God bless her, sweet little girl, but the voice is just is just kind of grating. So like I, I I like that Dora comes into my home via the television every once in a while. I would not want to be her mom or dad. And let me just add this: Thomas is huge in China. It might be like the number one selling boys. <laughs> Uh, toy, and that doesn't include the forgery. So it's a big thing. So Elmo, Thomas, Dora, what stock are you buying, Joe? Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with Dora. She's got some spunk. <laughs> I, I think we could probably get her at a decent price, too. Thomas sounds like he's going to be pretty expensive. One uh, semi-serious follow-up. You mentioned Walmart and sort of the relationship that, that uh, Mattel has there. Um, as you said, Walmart, uh, the largest seller of toys. McDonald's, if I'm not mistaken, is the largest distributor mm-hmm. of toys through the Happy Meals. Um, what kind of relationships do Mattel and Hasbro have with McDonald's? You know, I think it depends on on the on the specific toy on the, on, on the licensing. McDonald's yep. sometimes distributes their own things. You know, occasionally they'll they'll do something. So it's it's probably a hit or miss offer on type of thing. All right, Joe. At someday, if you if you have kids. Um, I think it's safe to say that James and I would be happy to unload the, all of the various Thomas trains we have in our house and just give them to you as our gift. We want you to I have I don't want them. that snooty British train <laughs> in my house. Joe Mager, James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. It is the last week of voting for the 2011 Podcast Awards. Vote. So, so please, if you haven't already, please go to podcastawards.com. Cast your vote for Market Foolery. We really appreciate it. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.